Good morning. I got a I got a haul this morning to get up here without dropping anything. It's good to see all these faces this morning. Welcome to Access. Bienvenidos. Adios. <laughs> ah. I love gathering together. I do. I love gathering together, hugging, seeing everybody. It's great to see you all this morning. My name's Amy um, Pishkar. If you're new, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, Fontaine is the pastor and the one who uh, is normally speaking, so I like what Eric said one time. If you don't like what I share, please come back. It will, we'll let you listen to Fontaine next time. Um, it's a pleasure to be sharing this morning. Fontaine asked me a while back to be thinking about the topic that I began to prepare for today. And in preparing what I was preparing for today, I kept saying, if this happens, or when this happens, if we knew the, the proper context, if, if we knew what the scripture said, and I kept going back to, if we knew what the proper context was, so then I was like, I got through my points with all of those, if we knew, if we kept in mind the proper context. And I was like, I need to first talk about what the proper context is, and then. So I messaged Fontaine, and I was like, can I do this in two, <laughs> in two parts? Because once I got through all of it, I was like, no, I cannot do all of this at one, in one setting. Um, so I would love to share with you this morning about what the scripture says about why we gather together in a corporate, collective context like we are right now. Why do we come to church? Why do, we, why do we join a church? Why do we keep coming back to the same church? Why do we get to know one another? Why do we allow the pastor of the church to get to know us? Why do we open our hearts, our past, our present, our future to not only the pastor but the leaders of that church, the members of that church? Gosh, that seems awfully risky, Amy. I don't know if I want to go there. But there's a divine purpose. There's a divine design to the church. And that's really where I felt was most important to begin what I'm going to be sharing about. So today I'm going to be talking about why, why do we have church? What is God's intention? What is God's purpose? As I was preparing, I thought about different contexts. Because church is a context that we gather in that is very different from other contexts in which we relate to people. I go to school, I relate to people a certain way. If I'm a lawyer, I go to my office, I relate to people probably very differently than I relate to people on a Sunday morning. If I go to, a, in my sense, in my history, my experience, I was a nurse for a little more than a decade. I am a nurse, I'm still a nurse, but I don't work in a hospital setting anymore, but I used to. And then the Lord led me into a context of teaching where I thought I would be doing it for a year, and it lasted a little longer than a year, but I was in, a, all of a sudden, a classroom with kindergartners. That is a very different context than an intensive care hospital room where I have somebody on dialysis, or I'm taking report from a recovery room nurse who's bringing me a patient, and she's telling me everything that happened in the OR, and I'm keeping track of everything, and then I'm like, you know, and I'm talking to a surgeon and I'm listening to a surgeon give me orders and I have to have a little bit more thick skin to relate to a surgeon because he's not messing around. He's got like 40 other things and he, he needs to tell me what he needs to tell me. And so 
I'm thinking about today's message context. Why is it important for us to have a biblical understanding of the context of a church? Just imagine for a second a surgeon teaching a kindergarten classroom, right? It, it probably would not go well, right? All of the kids in like 30 seconds would be like, okay, it's not yet. Because a, a surgeon operates very differently for a reason. He doesn't have time in an OR to repeat what instrument he needs. If a pressure drops, if somebody sprouts a bleed, he doesn't have time to explain what's going on to all of the OR crew. Okay, this is what's happening. This is what we're going to do to fix it because this is how a kindergarten teacher talks to their students. So going into that OR or going into that kindergarten classroom, it will be very important for those two groups of people to go in knowing what to expect. And that's where the Lord kind of circled me back to what I'm going to share about in a couple of weeks. First, we need to start with what does the scripture actually say? What should I expect as a believer in Christ? Because undoubtedly there are many people in here who have come to church this morning. Some have come from another church. Some maybe got saved this week and somebody brought you. You've never been in a service before. You have no idea. Clean slate. You have no idea what to expect. Some people have come from a healthy, positive experience in, in another setting and the Lord, for whatever reason, led you out of that church and into access. Some of you might have come out from a very unhealthy experience and setting and either the Lord led you out or you said, I ain't got time for this. And you left and now you're here. We are all here with different expectations, different experiences. But I just kept coming back to what does God say we should expect? What does God say we should anticipate? What should happen in a healthy church? And why is it that that should happen? So I'm going to be starting in, well, first I'd like to pray. Lord, we come before you today. Um, let me just pause for a second, Lord. It's so easy to, to get into the order of the service, Lord. And if anyone is else is like me, like a task-oriented person, just hit the bullet points. But Lord, we just pause and invite. Your presence is already here, but we invite you to help us listen to you. Heed your word this morning. We open our hearts we invite you in to reveal truth and lies. Lord, use your word that I'm going to share this morning to help people locate themselves, to help identify what is it that I need to, sh to change, what paradigms am I, am I coming to church in that I need to reconstruct, I need to tear some stuff down and rebuild my expectations based on what the word of God says so that I can grow up to be a mature and perfect follower of Christ, not lacking in anything, but to accomplish your destiny for each of us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So what does God mean, and what does he want us to understand when it comes to how we fit, how we belong, and how we participate, receive, and contribute to our local church? If you can go ahead and put up illustration one for me, I think a lot of us come into church sometimes, and this is how we are. What? Like, we got the body of Christ over here, we got the local church over here, and I'm kind of in the middle. 
Like, how, how does it all work together? And then things start to happen as we, as we attend church and maybe a year, two years, shoot, 30 seconds. If you've been in church for 30 seconds, probably you've seen or experienced um, different situations, good, bad, right? But a lot of times we're here in this place and we're like, how does this all work together? Like, what is, what is the why and, and what should I expect and what should I not expect? So we're going to go in 1 Corinthians 12 today. That's where we'll be reading. I'm reading out of the message translation. I use the message translation as a reference when I'm doing my own personal Bible study because I love the language. I love the framing of the ideas. Um, and I, and I kind of hesitate sometimes to preach an entire message out of the message translation. Um, but this morning I chose to do it because the language that is used to depict the body of Christ and how we are to fit together and the purpose for which God brought us together in this messy, tangled, hot mess of a group of people is beautiful. It's beautiful and I felt like it would really help us understand and appreciate why it's worth it. So we're gonna go, we're gonna start in verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, by means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. That's what we did in worship this morning. We all entered into the presence of God. His presence is always here because where one or two or three of us are gathered, his presence is here. But it's when we pause and we say, okay, I yield to you, Lord. I stop and I listen to you and I invite what you have to say into my life. We drink from the same spirit. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves. Labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, Guatemalan or North American, Oh, sorry, stepping on toes already. Are no longer useful. We need something larger and more comprehensive. A large and integrated life. It's, I think it might be difficult for us to really feel what Paul was, the impact that Paul was trying to, 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 to get across with this large and integrated life. Because the nature of society when the, when the Bible was written, everybody lived together. Like generations of families lived all together in one house. And what one person did in that house, good or bad, reflected on each person in the entire house. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, sons, daughters. And there was this tremendous awareness, heavy, heavy awareness that my actions reflected well or not so well 
on my father, on the honor of my family. And we, we just don't have that sense in today's culture, regardless of whether you're from Guatemala or from the States. I think there may be a little bit more depending on, on what country you hail from. But, but we don't have, I think, the oomph of, gosh, I have to make the right choices here because it's going to reflect on my parents that this community did or this culture or this society when they read it. But I think it still is so helpful for us to realize that when we become Christians, that when we cross that line of faith and say, Lord, you are my Savior, you are my Lord, it's not just like me and Jesus are striking a deal and then I continue on my life with Jesus and that's it. No, God's purpose, God's calling is for us when we say, God, I surrender. I yield to you. Come into my life. Transform me. Forgive me of my sins. His idea, his intention is that we link up in arms or link arms. I don't mean in arms. I think that's guns. I don't mean that. I mean link arms with other believers. And we walk like this together. And I think... Sometimes we still even come on Sunday mornings with a me and Jesus mentality. Like really, how often during the week do I think about Michelle? She's my sister in Christ. Is my life integrated? Right? I was going to, Carla was sitting here. Carla's been in Mexico, so I've been thinking a lot about her because she's been sharing all these beautiful pictures from, from being in Mexico. So I've been thinking a lot about her today, or, or this week, but I gotta say, I love you, Michelle. I haven't thought a lot about Michelle this week. And that's what Paul is saying. When we, when we come to God, when we come to Christ, we should have this shift of awareness of our brothers and sisters. Because I love Jesus, that love should spill over into my fellow believer. So that when I come together, it's not coming to church, me and Jesus. It's coming to church, and I'm connected to all of you. I don't know all of your names. I wish I did, but I don't. What well, we should have this love, one for another. Integrated in the Webster's Dictionary, it says to form, to coordinate, or blend. Listen to this. Blend into a functioning or unified whole. You know, like when I drop stuff into my blender to make a smoothie, and I say loud noise to my whole family, and I go, and when I'm done, I cannot tell one from the other. I can no longer see, unless it's spinach, then I can see the spinach. But I can no longer see the banana versus the pineapple. And that's the way it should be in the body of Christ. When people come in here to see, when people come into the service, they should not see individuals. They should see a collective body of people who love each other and are pointing to him. Let's move on to verses 14 through 18. It says, I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot 
said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings. I guess I don't belong to this body. Would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like I, transparent, expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. Our significance, there's two aspects to what I'm going to say here. Our significance is always and will always be rooted and anchored in our identity as sons and daughters of Christ. That's where it begins. I'm a daughter of God. I'm redeemed. I'm a new creature. That's who I am. But then from that place is what Paul is referring to. My significance in the body of Christ is how I'm connected, contributing, participating, ministering. What is my way to contribute to the body of Christ? The picture that Paul paints here is that there are so many different parts to the body of Christ, like the liver that you cannot see right now, but my earlobe that you can see. They're all important. My earlobe helps to catch the sound waves, right, and funnel them so that my nerves inside my ear, which you can't see, but they're the only reason I can really hear anything. They're really important, but you can't see them. And that's what Paul is saying. This picture of a body is how we are supposed to relate to the body of Christ. But then, going on in verses 19 and 20, and I apologize, I didn't send this to them in time for a slide, but what Paul says is, but, after he says your significance is found in the body of Christ, he says, but, I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. Amen. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body. It would be a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each in its proper size and in its proper place. I uh, reached out to Bio yesterday, and I was like, um, can you bring me something from an engine? He was like, what? Can you bring me a car part from an engine? Because this is what I was thinking about when I was preparing this, much like what I just said, my liver versus my ear, right? Well, um, I learned this morning that this is called a carburetor. I will have to say that I've never touched, much less seen, a carburetor before. I've heard of them. And in fact, when he said it, I was like, oh, that's what that looks like. I, I honestly don't even know what carburetors are for until I said, okay, you've got to tell me what this is for. And even after he told me and left the room, I had to look it up because I already forgot. <laughs> but this is exactly the picture of what we're talking about this morning. How many of you have seen a carburetor before? About, I think, 4% of you. <laughs> How many of you have ridden in a car before? Raise your hands. How many of you have ridden in a car before? How many? I know more. Y'all did not walk this morning. Y'all liars. 
right? So most of us in here rode in a car this morning, whether you drove it or not. You benefited from the function of this piece of metal that likely you have never seen before. And in the body of Christ, this insignificant piece of metal, but once I plug it into the engine of the car, it is very important, so they tell me. It takes the fuel into the engine. That's all I know. But I do know that without fuel getting to the engine and air and fuel doing what chemistry makes happen, I ain't going anywhere. The way this piece fits into the unit for which it was created gives it its significance. The way this piece, the way I fit into the unit for which I was created gives me my significance. Rooted in my identity as a daughter of Christ, sister of Christ, daughter of God. But from there, I'm a carburetor. I don't mean anything until I plug into the body of Christ. As a follower of Christ, if I'm a cowboy and I'm out doing whatever God told me to do and I'm not plugged into the body of Christ, I'm out of balance. Likely this, I don't really know, but I bet. Likely, if I were to put this in a different part of the engine and start the car, it would probably damage the engine. It might drop my whole engine. I don't, I don't even know how to talk about cars. I should stop. This is all I know. But the point is, we are carburetors. We are a bunch of carburetors sitting in chairs, broken, trying, hopefully, trying to tune in to what the Holy Spirit is talking to us, working with us uniquely. He's tailoring this message uniquely to each of us because that's how the Holy Spirit operates. And it, it is in the unity that when believers come together and they are unified, the Holy Spirit can minister to you. When there's strife, ah, but I want my way. But I don't like that answer. What? Stop doing this? What? Stop behaving this way? Do you know who I am? Yes, you're a carburetor. I'm a carburetor. In the hand of God, he fits me into the engine of the body of Christ wherever he sees fit. And until we can wrap our heads around that, Disappointment in church, unmet expectations, limits, boundaries, it will all probably likely chase me out the doors. When all the while, if I can just say, Lord, I'm a carburetor in your hands. If you need to, he if you need to put me here, or if you need to put me here, or maybe I have some rust stuck in here, maybe I've started to oxidize a little bit. And the mechanic needs to get in to the engine and say, why isn't this working right? Why are we out of timing? Why are we, instead of, 
the pastor has to come in and say, what's going on in your life? You seem off. I'm seeing some character displays that don't line up with what you're saying. And because I love you, I'm going to point it out and I'm going to say, hey, if you want to get from A, I think I know as a pastor what B is for you. I might be wrong, but I think your B is to become more into the reflection of Christ. If that's the case, then what I'm seeing back here is not going to take you there. <sighs> Who does he think he is? He can't judge me. He's cleaning out your rust. Or she's cleaning out your rust. He is cleaning out your rust. And that's where I think it is so tricky. Because yes, 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 yes. I'll talk more in part two. Come back in two weeks. It will happen. There will be people that will misuse, misapply, misdirect, misguide, mistreat you in the name of being a leader of a church and having the inroad into your life. That's gonna happen. But when we study what the word says about what I should expect, when I start to see those kinds of behaviors, I can say, uh, that doesn't line up with what that says. And then I take some time, I pray about it, I observe some more, I get some wise counsel, and then I say, I think it's time for me to find a new family of faith to plug into. That's when that happens. Not when the pastor comes in and says, oh, you got some rust in here. Let's, let's take you out of the engine for a second, put you on the table, and start cleaning you up. When that happens as a member of a church, if we really want to grow, if we really want to, to mature, then we're going to stay put on that table while our rust gets cleaned off. Ay Dios, seis minutos. Okay, so let's move on to... Sorry, I just have six minutes left. It just dawned on me. I, I cut this in half so I could do it all in my time frame. Okay, 1 Corinthians. Let's go to verses 23 through 24. Okay, when it's a part of your own body, different different parts of the body. When it's a part of my body, I am concerned with. It makes no difference whether it's visible or clothed. We just talked about that. But what I want to point out in this next passage, it says, you give it dignity and honor just as it is, without comparisons. We have dignity and honor without comparison, just as we are. We are recreated in the image of Christ. We are image bearers of the God of the universe. As just, just, just with that, we have dignity. We have honor. We are ambassadors of Christ to this world. Amen. How we connect to the body of Christ, how we plug in, how we contribute, how we serve, how our pastor calls on us to fill a need has no bearing. We should not, although we do, we should not associate that with our worth, our value. 
And I think some of us might be hearing this today and being like, well, of course. But how, how do we feel when someone comes to say, hey, I need you to pick up this minister that's flying in to speak tomorrow. Can you go to the airport and pick them up for me? Take them out for lunch? Show them around? We walk a little taller? We sit a little straighter? Yeah, I can do that. The pastor thinks I'm important. He trusts me to go pick up a minister. Now we all relate to how that feels, right? Or could feel. But what if the pastor says, hey, we got a hole in children's church this morning. I need you to go change some diapers for me. Ugh. Do you see how automatically we, we attribute status and value Ooh, versus, oh man, I should have slept in. And here God is saying, without comparison, we have dignity and honor. No, yes, pastor, I will walk in and I will change and clean every little baby butt in that room because I have dignity and I have honor. I'm a carrier of the life of Jesus. The spirit of God is on the inside of me. And I recognize that when my pastor or when a church leader or when somebody, it doesn't even matter, it could be, it could be Allison. When she comes to ask me to fill in, or do something, or do whatever, I honor. I view that as a doorway or an opportunity to serve him. The way God fits us into the body of Christ, visibly or invisibly, does not determine or reflect my own value or my own self-worth. And if we, we could camp there, we could stay there. There's many people, I'm sure, in here this morning that attach your self-worth with your job. We, we gotta, we have to be able to separate that. This is what I prayed about, that the Holy Spirit would come in and illuminate lies. Who we are in the light of eternity as a daughter of God has nothing to do with what I'm doing right this second. I'm sharing a message. In a million years, I'll still be a daughter of God worshiping the king at his feet like we were doing, all of us, on level ground this morning, worshiping God. If I were cleaning the toilet this morning, none of it matters about who we are in the light of the gift of grace and forgiveness and sacrifice that God sent his son to do for us. And God says, if you guys could just get past that and come together, kind of like Dr. Seuss, oh, the places we could go. Oh, the things we could do. Oh, the lives that I could restore. Oh, the souls that I could save. Verse 27, you are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. I love it. I'm going to read it again. You are Christ's body. That's, we are Christ's body. That's who we are. 
We must never forget this. Only as we accept our part individually of that body does our part mean anything. Our identity is the body of Christ. We find our purpose in Christ. And as we mature in him, we discover that purpose as we connect to the local church. I know there's conversations about, well, it's the body of Christ versus the local church, and he's talking about the body of Christ. Okay, look, the local church, right? I think we we can all agree the local church is what comprises the body of Christ. And if we have, I mean, if we think about this in a natural sense, I work in a school, and there's a director, and then there's principals, and then there's separate schools. But if all the students in that school showed up and they were like, well, I don't feel led to be in that second grade classroom. I feel like I'm supposed to go to the fifth grade classroom. And if all the students, or all the students showed up and said, we don't feel like we should even meet in classrooms. We feel like we should meet on the soccer field. And all of the students go do whatever they feel like they should do, it would be pandemonium. Like nothing would get accomplished. There would be no order. Paul talks about that there has to be order in in the service. There has to be order when a group comes together. And that's what the local church does. The local church brings direction, organization, movement to the body of Christ. We are all part of the body of Christ, but not until we, we commit to a local church and we say good, bad, and ugly, not abuse, ugly as in terms of Uh, I'm going to clean your rust off for you, and it might be uncomfortable for a bit, but I love you, and that's why I'm cleaning your rust. That's the bad. That's the ugly, because that that can hurt. That is not comfortable when somebody comes in and says, I've been hearing from several different people that you're talking a lot. You're gossiping a lot. And we could either say, we could either say, well, I'm just saying the way it is. I'm praying with people about these situations. No, you're gossiping. We could either run from that confrontation because that's a confrontation, or we can say humbly, you're right, and I want to grow. I want to get over that. Good, bad, and ugly, we commit to our local church. We submit, not a cuss word, we submit to the man or woman of God that God has brought us to. And we trust God's leadership over that relationship so that God uses him or her to speak into my life to help me arrive at the best reflection of Christ that I can possibly be until I'm glorified. Verses 12 and 13. This is where I think operationally in a church, it is the most important that we remember. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through the mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. We'll see it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. Here's the rub. But for now, until that completeness, until we're face to face with God, but for now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. We trust steadily in God. We hope 
unswervingly, and the hardest for me anyway, <laughs> love extravagantly. Like when you go to a palace, because I've never been, but if I went, I would imagine that it would be like over the top, extravagant, like, oh my God, I go into another room, oh my gosh, that is gorgeous. Oh my gosh, kid, did you see that? Love extravagantly. And this is the nature, this is the context, this is what I was trying to, to get across with my initial comparison. Kindergarten classroom, operating room. The nature of how those two contexts of relating human being to human being are completely different and for a reason. This context, this group of human beings that you have chosen to be a part of this morning is to operate in this context, but until then, hope unswervingly, trust steadily, see the best, hope for the best, love extravagantly. We will have misunderstandings. We will have opportunities to misjudge the intentions of others and to have our intentions misjudged. But one day we will see clearly as God sees and we will know and understand as he knows and understands. But until then, let us hope, let us trust, let us love. In wrapping up this message, I wanted to share this last illustration. I'm sorry, it's illustration two. This is how I picture um, plugging myself into a local church. Maybe. The tree? Do we have a tree? There we go. This is, this is what I believe. I've, I've thought about trees in this context for a long time. For me, it is a perfect picture you know, we all have different um, trees in our yard, plants in our yard. I've got some plants in my garden that I don't want in my garden, and some of them have deeper root systems than others. Some of them are harder to pull out. Some of them are pretty easy to pluck out because their root systems are so just hairy and flimsy and they just like pop right out. But as followers of Christ, this is the ideal outcome. This tree, imagine this huge tree with these roots one day being like, um, I don't really like the songs we've been singing lately. They don't speak to me. I'm going to pull up my roots and I'm going to go over here to this field and I'm going to plant myself here because I like the grass better. I like the way the sun hits me better. Now, I'm not trying to make light of difficult reasons to leave churches. I've been there, I've sung that song, I've got the t-shirt. I'll share a little bit more, not details really, because it's not really important. What's important is, is that we plug in. We allow our roots to go down, and when these roots are going down, they're hitting rocks. They're hitting dirt. They're hitting pipes, maybe. Let me tell y'all. We had to dig roots out of the ground from around our house one time in one of our houses in the States. It's no joke. The front of my house had started to do this. I could see on the inside walls of my house where it was falling off the front of my house because it was an addition after the actual house had been built. And I was like, babe, 
that doesn't look right. And like on the outside, you could see where the wall was separating. So we called whoever, Roto-Rooter maybe, I don't know. And they came and they dug like 10, 12 feet down. I've never seen a hole that deep before. And I looked down and when we, I mean, to think how long it takes those roots, all of the obstacles, all of the, the difficult places where those roots had to maneuver and go down deeper and deeper and deeper so that we wouldn't be the man who built our house on the sand. When we send our roots down and when we stay put, when we hear a hard word of correction from the pastor because the Lord is speaking through him, that's what I choose to believe. It may not always be the case. He might have had bad pepperoni pizza. I don't know. But I choose to believe that what the pastor is saying is what, is what God wants me to hear. And then through what he's saying, I'm listening. I'm listening. Lord, what do you have for me in what he's saying? And then I have conflict when we first moved here to Guatemala. We first decided, yes, the Lord is calling us to put our roots down at Access. We sat down with Fontaine, we said, hey, we're here, we're gonna stick around for a while, as long as the Lord has us here, and yada, yada, yada. And in a few months, I had an opportunity. He did something, and it ticked me off. I was like, what? I got Nathan, <laughs> I was like, Nathan! <laughs> so we made an appointment with Fontaine, because I don't talk to other people about it. I go to the source. And I sat down and we said, this is what we heard. What did you mean? And he was like, oh, well, da 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 And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. But before having that conversation, I was hot. Like when I get angry, I can't concentrate on anything. I wasn't sad, I wasn't scared, I was angry, I was reacting. It was a trigger for me. I was reacting. But I know better. I've been to the rodeo a few times to stay put and not run out the door and say, okay, Lord, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna prayerfully listen, I'm gonna calm down first of all, I'm gonna humble myself. I'm gonna go talk to him and see what he has to say. And I put down roots. This picture is not only a picture for church connection, to join a church and to stick around in the storms, to stick around in the hard conversations, but it's a picture of us as followers of Christ. Hard situations come, we put down roots trauma, crisis, disaster, death, misunderstandings, bankruptcy, failed business. I put down my roots. I put down my roots. I put down my roots. And this is the context for the body of Christ. It is our field until the Lord leads us to a different field. It is our field in which he calls us to put down our roots. 
And before I talked about anything else, the Lord said, Amy, tell him what, I, what I'm saying. Tell him what the context of this is. It is not a library. It is not a rotary club where I pay my membership and I come. Or a public library. I love libraries. It's one of the like five things I miss about the United States. We love libraries. But you know what? When we moved here, I mean, we were there all the time, every week. We were in the reading nooks, the play areas, the bean bags snuggled in, reading our books. We left with piles. We came back with piles to get more piles. And we every week, we loved it. But when we moved here, you know what? I just stopped going. I didn't call the director of the library. I didn't go to the librarian behind the desk and say, I just want to let you know that I'm not going to come back anymore. They'd have been like, great. But when Johnny and I got married and we changed churches, hey, pastor, I've been here for a long time. I'd like to come in and talk to you. We would like to come in and talk to you about where we feel the Lord is leading us and ask you to pray for us. Bye, pues. Come on in. Make an appointment. Let's sit down. Share your heart. Share my heart. Unity. But we were separating ourselves. But there was unity. We are entering into an integrated life. And this is where I feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to arrive this morning, is to ask ourselves, am I in it to win it? Why am I here? Am I here for me? Am I here for how the worship makes me feel? Am I here because I like the lights? There's a cool ambiance? Or am I coming with the expectation of getting my rust cleaned so that my part in the body of Christ can lend itself to an impactful body of Christ? What am I bringing to contribute? We all have something. The word of God says the spirit gives to each person. It will not look the same as the person sitting next to you. It will not look the same as your spouse. It will not. Your children have a gift that the Holy Spirit has given them. And if you have come here as a result of the Lord leading you here, it is not an accident. It is on purpose. And this morning... I just wanted to share what he was talking to me about out of 1 Corinthians 12. I encourage you, go back and read it again. It's powerful, the whole chapter. I swear, I wish I could, I wish I had time to read the whole thing, but I'm already 14 minutes over. The whole chapter is beautiful. Read it in three different translations. I like the message the best. But get a good... It's like when we look at a huge painting... And we get up and we look and we're like, oh, that's really cool. And like the painting's right here. It's really cool. But we can't really see it for what it's worth until we back up. And we're like, wow. That's the body of Christ. The world should say, wow. 
that's amazing. What's happening there? It's only when we show up as a carburetor. Pastor, do you want to say anything? Let me just pray. He's smiling. <laughs> Lord, we just take what we've heard this morning and we invite you into it. We invite you into your word. We invite you into the images that I've shared this morning. Lord, your word is useful for correction, for teaching. Correct us this morning. Teach us this morning. Allow the word of God to go in and separate bone and marrow, thoughts and intents. Show us, Lord, where we have not allowed the roots in our own personal spiritual growth to go down, but also in our connection to our local church, whether it's here or you're visiting this morning and it's, you have a different local church. How have you been preventing out of fear, misunderstanding, misjudgment? What is it because of fear that we have been doing to protect ourselves? to keep ourselves at a distance from the work that God wants to do in our lives through intimacy and connection with our local church, with the body of Christ, in community, in communion with one another. Lord, we love you. We wanna reflect you in this world, God. Help us to stay on the path. Help us to continue to listen Help us to put those roots down. Help us to stay on the table when you're cleaning off our rust. We love you. We honor your presence in this place. And we just thank you for, for this time. In your holy name we pray. Amen.